0: DiscerningHearts.com presents A Lord of the Rings Spiritual Retreat with Father Timothy Gallagher. Father Gallagher was ordained in 1979 as a member of the Oblates of the Virgin Mary. He obtained his doctorate from the Gregorian University and has dedicated many years of extensive ministry to retreats, spiritual direction, and teaching on the spiritual life. He is also the author of several books on the spiritual teachings of St. Ignatius of Loyola And the life of Venerable Bruno Lanteri, founder of the Oblates of the Virgin Mary. Father Gallagher is featured on the EWTN series Living the Discerning Life. Father Gallagher is also featured in several series produced by EWTN, including Living the Discerning Life, a Lord of the Rings spiritual retreat with Father Timothy Gallagher. I'm your host, Chris McGregor. Father Gallagher, thank you once again for joining me. Thank you, Chris. In The Lord of the Rings, we've explored many different areas. Some of them have been expressed through the lives of the character, but there is one overarching. Can we call it a theme, or should we call it a virtue or a grace that is so prevalent in The Lord of the Rings?
1: Yes, and that is that this is what uh, Tolkien himself calls The Lord of the Rings in one of his letters a heroic romance. It's not a novel. It's a heroic romance, which is an older form uh, of of writing in, in literature. So that it's on the heroic level. It deals with great things and there are heroes. And romance, in this sense, does not mean a romantic love between a man and a woman. What it means is that the the final ending is something joyful or happy. And so I'd like to look at that theme now in various ways in which Joy is present in the Lord of the Rings. And I think we're going to see as we go through this, especially as we come to the conclusion of what we'll say about this, that this really is the reason, among many other reasons, but this is the deepest reason why the Christian resonates so much with the Lord of the Rings, because ultimately the gospel is good news, and ultimately the Lord of the Rings, as a work of literature that Tolkien consciously wanted to be consistent with the Christian faith by which he understood the world, the Lord of the Rings, too, is good news. So we'll explore that uh, in various ways as we go through the Lord of the Rings. And what I'd like to start with is the moment when Gandalf and Frodo have been discussing in Bag End at the beginning of the Fellowship of the Ring the seriousness of Frodo's Frodo's plight, that he actually has the one ring that the enemy is desperately seeking to to acquire again, and uh, even worse, that the enemy knows that the ring is in the Shire and knows that the ring is held by a Baggins in Bag End, and Frodo has realized, we've talked about this in earlier conversations, that he's going to have to leave the Shire and then at a certain point in the conversation Gandalf becomes aware of a, of a little noise outside the window, quietly goes over to the window, reaches down and pulls up Sam of all people, Sam Gamgee by the ear. Sam has been outside uh, taking care of the garden uh, with his shears. And Gandalf uh, is initially somewhat severe with Sam thinking that he's spying. But it turns out that Sam is was so enthralled by, well, let's just read what Tolkien says. Well, sir, said Sam, dithering a little, I heard a great deal that I didn't rightly understand about an enemy and rings and Mr. Bilbo, sir, and dragons, and a fiery mountain and elves, sir. I listened because I couldn't help myself, if you know what I mean. It's just something that is so deep in Sam's heart and attraction for these kinds of tales, and especially elves, that he can't help himself, as it were. "'Lord bless me, sir, but I do love tales of that sort. And I believe them, too. Elves, sir, I would dearly love to see them. Couldn't you take me to see elves, sir, when you go?' Suddenly Gandalf laughed. "'Come inside,' he shouted, and putting out both his arms, he lifted the astonished Sam, shears, grass-clippings and all, right through the window and stood him on the floor, Take you to see elves, eh, he said, eyeing Sam closely, but with a smile flickering on his face. So you heard that Mr. Frodo is going away. I did, sir, and that's why I choked, which you heard seemingly. Well, then Frodo enjoins Sam to keep what he's heard as a dead secret and says, If you ever breathe a word of what you've heard here, then I hope Gandalf will turn you into a spotted toad and fill the garden full of grass snakes. Sam fell on his knees, trembling. Get up, Sam, said Gandalf. I have thought of something better than that, something to shut your mouth and punish you properly for listening. You shall go away with Mr. Frodo. Me, sir, cried Sam, springing up like a dog invited for a walk. Me go and see elves and all. Hooray, he shouted, and then burst into tears. Now, what that is, if we want to use a scriptural word for it, it's the first love that we read about in Revelation's chapter 2 in the description of the churches at, at Ephesus the first love that that's that's the delight the joy of the beginnings and there's something holy about that something right about that so that one's wedding day is a day of great joy that one will always remember through the years of of marriage or for a priest his ordination day i remember that when i was a seminarian get Getting closer to the Day of Ordination, an older priest in our community said that uh, your Ordination Day is the happiest day of your life. And I found in a very real way that that was true, that was a, a beautiful day that I'll always treasure. Or you might, for example, someone who begins teaching and delights in that work as he or she begins it, or begins to get involved in the work of the Church in some way taking initiatives to help bring people to to Jesus or involvement in the parish. Um, In so many ways, there is a delight, a joy in the beginnings. It's the first love, and that's what Sam experiences here. Now, as we've seen, the first love is going to mature in Sam in ways that he cannot possibly imagine at this point through all the twists and turns of the quest that lie ahead and the growth that will come through it. But I think it's right that we focus just at least briefly on this experience of joy. And please, God, we've we've found that or experienced that at various points in our lives, and we treasure it. We, it's a blessing that God gives as we begin so many different things in our lives.
0: I think that's what I experienced when it wasn't so much giving birth to a child, but it was bringing the child home. I mean, it's kind of scary, but there's also this incredible excitement and enthusiasm like this is what it's all about.
1: What a wonderful thing. What a wonderful thing. As you say that, I'm remembering my own mother talking about uh, raising the young children, the babies, You know, in that stage that you're just describing, and all the work involved in that. But she said, all the baby has to do is smile at you in the way that a baby smiles at a mother. Mm-hmm. and it's it's more than worth it. It's it's joyful. There's something very, you know, I think there's something holy about that, something sacred about that. So it's a beautiful thing. It's something to, to respect and reverence when we see it in others and to thank God for it when we've uh, experienced that in our own lives. And there it is in the Lord of the Rings, like so many things are. A second theme of joy that runs through the entirety of The Lord of the Rings and is a deep reason why the quest succeeds is from the the joy of friendship. In fact, if you think, you know, what is the title of the first of the volumes of The Lord of the Ring? It's exactly that, the Fellowship of the Ring. And it's that fellowship, that being united in the quest together, that will see them through. Let's look at the moment when... Sam, Frodo, and Pippin, through various dangers, have finally reached Buckland, and they are in the house of Crick Hollow, and Mary has prepared it ahead of time for them. Fatty Bolger is there with them. And the story that Frodo has been giving out to everyone, including his friends, all except Sam, who knows the, the true story, is that he's just simply going to settle down in Crick Hollow and live there. And now the point has come when he has to go beyond Crick Hollow and continue the journey. And so he needs to reveal to the other hobbits that he's going to be leaving them and immediately, actually, the next day. Well, as you know the story, of course, to his great surprise and utter amazement, he finds out that they know the entire story already. And uh, they've picked up bits of information here or there as they've watched Frodo. And Sam has been the chief source of information for them. They even know about the ring. One of them's even seen it on one occasion. So, Sam is, or Frodo is just aghast that his doings are so known to them, afraid that they're known by others, and is insisting now that uh, nonetheless he has to leave them behind and set off alone with Sam. And the others tell him they're not leaving him, they're coming with him. And so, Mary says this to Frodo. You can trust us to stick to you through thick and thin, to the bitter end. There's the friendship or the fellowship. And you can trust us to keep any secret of yours closer than you keep it yourself. But you cannot trust us to let you face trouble alone and go off without a word. What a rich thing to be able to say to a friend, family member, someone who's part of a Christian fellowship. You cannot trust us to let you face trouble alone and go off without a word. We are your friends, Frodo. Anyway, there it is. We know most of what Gandalf has told you. We know a good deal about the ring. We are horribly afraid, but we are coming with you or following you like hounds. And then Sam reminds Frodo that Gildor, the elf, had said that Frodo ought to take along with him those who were willing to come with him.
0: We'll return to a Lord of the Rings spiritual retreat with Father Timothy Gallagher in just a moment. Did you know that Discerning Hearts has a free app where you can find all your favorite Discerning Hearts programming? Father Timothy Gallagher, Dr. Anthony Lillis, Monsignor John S. of Deacon James Keating, Father Donald Haggerty, Mike Aquilina, Dr. Matthew Bunsen, and so many more. They're all available on the free Discerning Hearts app. Over 3,000 spiritual formation programs and prayers, all available to you with no hidden fees or subscriptions. Did you also know that you can listen to Discerning Hearts programming wherever you download your favorite podcasts, like Apple Podcasts, Google Play, iHeartRadio, Spotify, even on Audible, as well as numerous other worldwide podcast streaming platforms. And did you know that Discerning Hearts also has a YouTube channel? Be sure to check out all these different places where you can find Discerning Hearts Catholic Podcasts dedicated to those on the spiritual journey. A Prayer of St. Ignatius of Loyola
1: Take, Lord, and receive all my liberty, my memory, my understanding, and my entire will, all that I have and call my own. You have given all to me. To you, Lord, I return it. Everything is yours. Do with it what you will. Give me only your love and your grace. That is enough for me.
2: Amen. An easy way to help discerning hearts is to follow us on Instagram and Facebook and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Our Instagram and Facebook pages are vibrant spaces where you can engage with daily inspirational quotes from the saints, streaming DH broadcast encounters, and updates about our latest offerings. On our YouTube channel, you'll find a treasure trove of video podcasts, interviews, guided meditations and prayers, and reflections from renowned spiritual leaders. These resources are carefully curated to provide guidance, wisdom, and insights that can help you discern life's challenges with a sense of purpose and peace. By subscribing, following, and engaging with Discerning Hearts on these platforms, you're not only enriching your own spiritual journey, but also helping to spread awareness of our mission. Every like, share, and comment helps us reach more people who are seeking meaningful growth and connection. So, please take a moment to follow us on Instagram and Facebook, and make sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel as well, and then share with a friend. Join the Discerning Hearts community and embark on a transformative spiritual journey alongside fellow seekers. Your engagement not only benefits you, but also contributes to the growth and impact of Discerning Hearts.
0: We now return to A Lord of the Rings Spiritual Retreat with Father Timothy Gallagher.
1: So now Frodo says this, You are a set of deceitful scoundrels, he said, turning to the others. But bless you, he laughed, getting up and waving his arms. I give in. I will take Gilder's advice. If the danger were not so dark, I should dance for joy. Even so, I cannot help feeling happy, happier than I have felt for a long time. It's the the joy and the strength of real friendship along the way in the journey. A little bit later, when the... Council of Elrond takes place in Rivendell and it's decided that Frodo will take the ring to Mordor. Eight companions need to be found, so there'll be nine walkers in the fellowship to match the, the nine black riders, or Nazgul, of the enemy. And seven now have been chosen, two more remain to be found. And Elrond decides that he's going to look for some in his household. Now Pippin and Merry have not yet been chosen, Sam and Frodo, but not Merry and Pippin. But that will leave no place for us, cried Pippin in dismay. We don't want to be left behind. We want to go with Frodo. That is because you do not understand and cannot imagine what lies ahead, said Elrond. And now here's the intervention. Neither does Frodo, said Gandalf, unexpectedly supporting Pippin. Neither do any of us see clearly. It is true. It is true. That if these hobbits understood the danger, they would not dare to go, but they would still wish to go, or wish that they dared, and be shamed and unhappy. I think, Elrond, that in this matter it would be well to trust rather to their friendship than to great wisdom. Even if you choose for us an elf lord such as Glorfindel, he could not storm the Dark Tower, nor open the road to the fire by the power that is in him. And Elrond accepts what Gandalf has said here. And there's Gandalf's wisdom that in this matter, more than great wisdom or power, what is going to see the quest through is friendship. And Pippin and Merry, who do not have any high stature or great power in any way, are deeply friends of Frodo. And so, because of that, they will be part of the quest, and as we know as the story unfolds, will play a key part along, in a number of ways as the story unfolds. Alright then, this is a jump in the story, almost toward the end of it. And we're now at the Grey Havens. Frodo has taken the ship with Gandalf and Galadriel and Elrond and the uh, Bilbo and the others. Sam stands watching. Sam is there with Pippin and Merry. And Sam watches as the ship disappears into the darkness. There still he stood far into the night, hearing only the sigh and murmur of the waves on the shores of Middle-earth and the sound of them sank deep into his heart. Beside him stood Mary and Pippin, and they were silent. At last the three companions turned away, and never again looking back, they rode slowly homeward, and they spoke no word to one another until they came back to the shire, but each had great comfort in his friends on the long grey road. Do you know, Chris, it occurs to me, um, again, to use... Tolkien's category of applicability, the long gray road. Sometimes that's what life can seem to us, or at least periods in our life, or as we look at things happening in the world. But each had great comfort in his friends on the long gray road. Ultimately, that is why Jesus founded a church. We're not meant to walk the road of salvation alone. We're intended to be a fellowship, to be friends in the Lord, and to speak. Support and strengthen each other along the way, so there is great hope for us in that. And I would say also a a call for us to receive and to give friendship as we walk that journey together through life. It's among the greatest gifts that we could ever give to to anyone else.
0: That's a really important point that not only just to be a friend, but to receive it, to receive friendship, and that can be a struggle for some, maybe because of broken relationships in the past, trust issues. I mean, there's a myriad out of different things, but there's a risk in receiving that. And you almost see that hesitancy in Frodo, don't you? When they initially wanted to travel with him, because mm-hmm. there's almost a risk. You know, there's a whole lot of different levels. Like, will I have to care for them. I'm a concern for them. I'm going to, that somehow it's easier to be self-reliant. Sometimes we do that in our own lives, don't we?
1: Yes, we can do that. And I think in Frodo's case there was something, how would you say, um altruistic if that if I can use that word mm-hmm. about his choice to go alone, um given the one companion by uh, as Sam by uh, Gandalf, mm-hmm. but it was the desire to spare the darkness of the journey to the others who were his friends and, and you see that in his whole resistance to their coming. With him, but then what, what changes? He says to Mary and Pippin and the others, even so, uh, if the danger were not so dark, I should dance for joy. Even so, I cannot help feeling happy, happier than I have felt for a long time. I had dreaded this evening. He had dreaded the evening because it would mean a painful parting, a setting off essentially alone. What makes him so joyful in the midst of dark danger, so much so that he could dance for joy even, and feels happier than he's felt for a long time, is the realization that he is not meant to be alone, that he is meant to be accompanied by friends along the way. So that, yes, friendship is a human relationship, and human relationships involve human hearts, and human hearts have all the complexities and depths The richness and sometimes the pain of a past experience, all of that is involved in friendship. But I would say, in terms of what we're we're talking about right now, through what Tolkien is describing, and the joy and how the the darkness of the journey lightens when we're not alone, what we can hear in that is an invitation. It's gentle. Uh, It never just bulldozes through human hearts, as God never does. But there is the invitation Where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am in the midst of them. Just being together in a way that is so strengthening and to look for for ways for that to happen. I would say that in the long term, what's going to sustain us on the journey, the journey of faith, the Christian journey through life, is being accompanied in this way. And there's so many different levels of accompaniment. Obviously at home, in our families, spouses, children, the wider family, parishes, friends, people we know. But to be accompanied, it's worth worth what? Worth the risk, if we want to speak about it as a risk, or the effort, or the reaching out, because it's going to sustain us along the way. And really, that's what Jesus intends. In fact, you know, when he gathers the 12 disciples around him on Holy Thursday night, that's exactly what he says to them. I have called you friends. And that's what he intends them to be in their relationship with him and with each other. Now, there's another friendship which is remarkable in the, the Lord of the Rings, and that is the unexpected friendship that develops between the elf Legolas and Gimli the Dwarf. Now, there's there's a whole background to this. In We are in the Third Age in the Lord of the Rings. In the First Age, thousands of years earlier, at one very sad point, the elves and the dwarves actually battled each other. There was mutual killing, and it was the beginning of an enmity between dwarves and elves, which went on down through the years. There was one exception, and that was, uh, you remember when, when they're trying to enter the, uh, the gate of Moria, mm-hmm. and they're trying to find the password, and it turns out that the password is the word friend. And that's an indication of the friendship that there was at that time between the Dwarves, who were there under the mountains in the mines of Moria, and then the Elves, who were there in the region outside the mountains. But apart from that, there has never been any friendship between Elves and Dwarves, and there is a mutual suspicion between them. They have very little to do with each other. And now suddenly, a deep friendship develops between Legolas and Gimli, a friendship that no one would have ever imagined happening. So that we'll see them together in the boat going down the river. We'll see them riding a horse together. We'll see them journeying together afterwards, after the uh, quest is fulfilled. And then finally, uh, Tolkien, as a historian records, it said that they went off together, leaving Middle-earth finally and taking the ship into the West. Now, The moment when this begins is when the Fellowship is in the land of Lothlorien and they are meeting Celeborn and Galadriel, the lord and lady of Lothlorien, for the first time in the dwelling high up in these massive and beautiful trees which fill the land of Lothlorien. And Celeborn says almost that he regrets having allowed the dwarf Gimli to enter the land of Lothlorien, having heard that the Balrog was stirred again in Moria as they went through. But Galadriel speaks differently. Do not repent of your welcome to the dwarf. If our folk had been exiled long and far from Lothlorien, who of the Galadrim, even Celeborn the Wise, would pass nigh and would not wish to look upon their ancient home, though it had beco- even though it had become an abode of dragons? And now, remarkably, she starts using the tongue. Dark is the water of Kaledzaram, and cold are the springs of Kibul nala and fair were the many-pillared halls of Khazad-Dum in the elder days, before the fall of mighty kings beneath the stone. She looked upon Gimli, who sat glowering and sad, and she smiled. And the dwarf, hearing the names given in his own ancient tongue, looked up and met her eyes. And it seemed to him that he looked suddenly into the heart of an enemy and saw their love and understanding. Wonder came into his face, and then he smiled in answer. He rose clumsily and bowed in dwarf fashion, saying, Yet more fair is the living land of Orion, and the Lady Galadriel is above all the jewels that lie beneath the earth. And out of this... The awareness that of Gimli who looks into the heart of an elf, expecting to find enmity there, and seeing friendship, seeing love, seeing welcome, even that exquisite touch of using his own language, it melts something in him, and it's the beginning now of an openness to elves that had never been there before. As we read this, there's something very hopeful in this too. The suggestion that in places where we may simply assume, because of past hostility or past divisions, we may simply assume that we will never find anything but distance and maybe even enmity, that friendship may be possible, so that we never close the doors which Grace might want to open and which will make all the difference in in, uh, friendship and support as we go forward in the journey. It's a very beautiful thing that develops between Legolas and Gimli.
0: Well, Father Gallagher, there's still so much more to explore in the Lord of the Rings, particularly when we speak of this joy. But we need to close for this particular episode. Any final thoughts?
1: I would say the best of all thoughts on this is just to hear the words of Jesus again. I have called you friends because I have made known to you everything that I've heard from my Father. I no longer call you servants but I call you friends, and I think as in so many things, through the the literary truth and the remarkably well-crafted story in The Lord of the Rings, with all the many different relationships that are interwoven into it, we catch a glimpse of what friendship can mean along the journey, and we hear there an invitation to hope and to, to know that there is support and strength along the way.
0: Mm, beautiful. Thank you so much, Father Gallagher.
1: Thank you, Chris.
0: You've been listening to A Lord of the Rings Spiritual Retreat with Father Timothy Gallagher. To hear and or to download this conversation along with hundreds of other spiritual formation programs, visit discerninghearts.com or you can find it within the free Discerning Hearts app or wherever you download your favorite podcasts. This has been a production of Discerning Hearts. I'm your host, Chris McGregor. We hope that if this has been helpful for you, that you will first pray for our mission which is to offer authentic and rock-solid spiritual formation freely to souls around the world. And if you feel us worthy, please consider a charitable donation, which is fully tax-deductible, to help support our efforts. But most of all, we hope that you will tell a friend about DiscerningHearts.com and join us next time for A Lord of the Rings Spiritual Retreat with Father Timothy Gallagher.